Okay, so guys, we just had Christmas. How was it for everybody? Good, good. So Janino basically got you to share your highlights of 2019, but I want you to share your Christmas highlight with the person next to you. Awesome? Yeah, so get to know their names, where they're from. Okay. Okay, okay. Awesome, awesome. So like I say, every time I speak, I'm an extrovert. So please shout out to me. And what was the Christmas highlight? Just one word answer. So we did this earlier with the team. Food? Two kinds of rice. What type of rice? Jollof and rice and peas. Peace. So I'm not Caribbean, so you know. What? <laughs> Plantain. Panda jam. That's a Nigerian delicacy, if anyone doesn't know Panda Jam. Amazing. Amazing for the belly. Um, what else? What did you say? Family. Okay, two more. Games. One more. Supermall. Okay, okay, okay. So how many people in this room has tried Supermalt? Okay, so if you haven't tried Supermalt, you're not missing anything. <laughs> Supermalt Super is the worst drink in the world. Hello. Wow, the sound team muted me. Wow. <laughs> I honestly, I'm so sorry, but I honestly don't know the hype with Supermalt. It's literally liquid bread. <laughs> okay, my back life, boy. Anyway, anyway. I'm just praying that 2020, God just refines some of your taste buds. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay, so guys, so um, I normally like to start off with a story. So this story is about when I was 18 years old and I had a summer job. And I remember in this summer job, I was working with a lady who was um, yeah, quite a few years older than me. She was 27 at the time. And we were just really talking and we got along so well throughout the weeks. And we started talking about love and relationships, and she started talking to me about her boyfriend. And I was like, oh, how long have you been with your boyfriend? And she said um, to me, oh, I've been with my boyfriend for nine years. And I was like, who? And um, I asked, yeah, I asked um, a really naive question that I was this stupid question, and there's such things as stupid questions because I asked at the time, and, she, and I asked her, um, oh, nine years, wow, don't you want to get married? And the, minute, and the minute I said that, she bursted into tears. And she was like, well, I do, but he just doesn't want to marry me. So bear in mind, I had this situation I had a situation with my colleague where um, I asked a stupid question and she basically bursted into tears because she had been with someone for nine years and he didn't fulfill her expectation in terms of a relationship. And she had something called an unfulfilled expectation and that's what I want to speak to us today. 
what happens when you have those unfulfilled expectations. Like I remember when I was little, my mom always used to tell me that man will fail you. I will fail you. Your parents will fail you. Your sisters will fail you. Your friends will fail you. But the one person in this world that will not fail you is God. But what happens when you feel like it is God that has failed you? What happens perhaps like you come to the end of 2019 like today and you look back at 2019 and you're like, yes, 2019 is filled with unfulfilled expectations. Like I trusted God in breakthrough in my career, in breakthrough even in terms of my relationship status. I hope to meet Mr. or Mrs. White. Breakthrough in terms of um, reconciliation with my family, those who have really hurt me. Breakthrough in so many different areas, but when you come back, you're like, okay, I actually have not seen that done. And the reason why I love the Bible so much is because the Bible is actually filled with stories of people who are actually human. And I feel like perhaps, you know, when we read the Bible, when we perhaps talk about the um, heroes of faith, we see it as these people who were almost like demigods. These people that perhaps weren't human and didn't go through hardship, but the actual fact is that just like us, they had to trust God in their situation. Sometimes they fell, they flopped on their faces, and they doubted God. And as a result, God actually took them through a journey of what it means to have faith in him. And the first person um, I, would like us to look like, um, I would like us to look at is John the Baptist. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. When you're there, say amen. Okay, I'll wait a bit. <laughs> Is it possible for it to appear on the screens as well? Okay, so um, Matthew chapter 11. Um, verse 1, it says, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach the t- in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? I'll read that last bit again. Um, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? So essentially what happened here is that Jesus literally just um, blessed his disciples, and he released his disciples and gave him his authority and said, go out into the world, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. And John, who was in prison, John heard about all of these deeds that Jesus was doing and Jesus and some of the disciples were doing. But John basically sent some of his messages and said, go and ask Jesus, is he truly the person we are looking for? Because the thing about John is that John was actually offended. He was offended at Jesus. He was offended at the fact that Jesus perhaps did not even liberate him from prison. That this was the savior that we have been waiting for. And it's kind of ironic for John to ask the question, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Because if we actually go um, a few chapters earlier, 
it talks about, even in the Old Testament, it talks about how John was the person who would prepare the way for the Lord, for the Messiah, who was the voice in the wilderness preparing people, who basically called people into repentance. And John was the same person who, um, when he was baptizing other people, Jesus actually came forward, stepped forward and said, would you baptize me? And as Jesus, as John was baptizing Jesus, John clearly saw in front of everybody else as well how the heavens opened and the Father, God the Father, said to Jesus, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased with. So John knew who Jesus was, but yet he still asked the question, are you the person we are waiting for? And the reason why he asked that question is because he had some unfulfilled expectations of Jesus. And these were the expectations that he had. So Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 to 2, it says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for, for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners. So this was um, prophetic words, words about what Jesus will do and what he will be like. And if we go to Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3 to 4, we also have some more words about what Jesus is. It says, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the needs that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Let me read that part again. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. So the Israelites had also this expectation that not only would this Messiah, not only would this Jesus guy come to literally liberate people from their oppression, but he will also be their avenger. He will also be someone who would literally save them from those who are persecuting them. So as a result, John again was a person who was not being liberated, who was in prison, and that's why he asked that question. And I think it's so funny that even, for example, um, there was another situation where the disciples actually said to Jesus, where Jesus and the disciples went to Samaria and they went to go and share the good news. But the Bible talks about how in Samaria they actually um, said they were not interested. They were very cold towards the faith. So as a result, what did the disciples say? They said, should we call down fire from heaven to come and burn and consume all these people? That was their perspective. If you say no to Jesus, may fire come down from heaven and burn all of you guys. And the Bible says that Jesus actually rebuked them. And the reason why Jesus rebuked them is because Jesus actually had a redemptive solution for this people group. It wasn't God's heart at the time to condemn that people group, but it was Jesus' heart to actually save that people group. And if we even know a few chapters later, it talks about, even in John 4, how the women at the well, the women, um, the Samaritan women came, and because of her testimony, so many people were saved. So imagine if Jesus actually had the perspective of the disciples, that, oh, because they've said no to me, let fire fall from heaven and come and consume all those people. And the reason why I say that is because perhaps we, have ha we actually have expectations of God that doesn't align with his own expectations. And what do you do when that is the case? 
And we go back to Matthew chapter 11, verse 4. Jesus actually responds to John. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the deaf are raised, and the good news is proclaimed. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So what is Jesus doing? Jesus is quoting Isaiah. He's quoting the scripture that basically says that the blind will receive sight, the lame will walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed. He's quoting the scripture that says the spirit of the Lord is upon him to liberate those from darkness. And he's saying to John that these things are happening, these things are happening, but just because perhaps this judgment or this condemnation is delayed has not come yet does not mean I'm not the Messiah and when he says bless is anyone who does not stumble on account of me he's saying bless is anyone who's not offended by the way I do things bless is the one who does not use the way I do things as an excuse not to believe in me or to invalidate me and so often I feel like even us, perhaps some of us who are Christians in the room, or even some of us who are not Christians in the room, so often what could happen is that we have expectations and when we feel like God is not matching up to our expectations, what we do is that we start strategizing. For example, for some of us in the room, perhaps um, 2019 did not go according to plan. So we've already figured out a strategy for 2020. And we're like, yep, this didn't go to plan, but don't worry, 2020 is my year, and I'll make sure by fire, by force, that things have to change. And we develop a strategy with, um, we develop a strategy that we think is so intellectual, that's so detailed, that will enable us to win 2020. And don't get me wrong, strategies aren't bad. Strategies aren't bad at all, but the thing about strategies that they are pointless if they're not God-inspired, if they're not God-breathed, if it does not come from the narrative of what God has spoken to you personally in your life. And the reason why we need to hear God speak to us personally in our different situations is because Jesus said himself, man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Another um, translation actually says, that man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So every word that's presently spoken. So that's what happens when we introduce God into our situations. He speaks a present word in our situations. And honestly, guys, I have to be real. Can I be real? Is that okay? Be real? God bless you. I'll be real. Okay. There's sometimes, even um, in 2019, there's things that I went through and I was actually kind of annoyed. I was actually kind of frustrated and I was like, God, why isn't um, this thing working? Why am I not seeing breakthrough or why am I not seeing what I want to see in this particular area of my life? And um, normally I'm quite disciplined and if I'm anxious about something, if I'm annoyed about something, I literally do come to God in prayer and I'm literally like, okay, God, this is it. This is everything. And God in his grace and in his mercy 
very often he does speak right into my situation. He does give me a redemptive solution. Perhaps it even gives me another narrative that I never saw. But there's also situations where God doesn't speak to me about it. It's like, for example, have you ever been in a situation where um, you're speaking to someone, perhaps you've said something that's quite deep, and that person doesn't hear you, and they change the subject? And maybe it's just me, but sometimes that's what it feels like for me. Like, I, I just, I just, I was telling you about this, and you just changed the subject. But what I've learned, that because he is my master, because he's my God, because he's my father, I've learned to pay attention to the things he wants to talk about. Where it's not every day that I come with him. Obviously, he does want to listen to me. He does want to listen to my issues. He does want to listen to what I'm going through. But even more, I want to hear his heart. I want to hear his perspective. And I think we actually forget sometimes that God actually has a perspective, that God actually has an agenda. And if we're being honest with ourselves, how many of us woke up this morning asking God for his agenda? We rushed to church, perhaps. We we caught the DLR, we caught the underground, we caught the tube. And we came to church, but we we didn't stop to think that, God, what do you want me to do today? Or what does 2020 actually look like for me? But we've actually painted a picture of what we wanted 2020 to look like. But perhaps our expectation does not merge with his. And another thing that Jesus implies to John, that just because I didn't come like he wanted me to come, didn't mean I didn't come in the first place. And I think especially like when our expectations aren't fulfilled, we think that God is not present. We think that God doesn't actually care about situation. But this was the same Jesus that told John that the lame can now walk, the blind have received sight. But yet John was too fixated or perhaps on his situation that he forgot God was actually moving in the first place. And another thing that I love about Jesus is that Jesus, he carries a non-anxious presence. That Jesus is a type of person that I don't think there's ever a time in scripture where it talks about Jesus was in a rush or where Jesus hurried. But if I look at my life, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm always in a rush. I'm always hurrying. I am always hustling. I'm always trying to get the next thing. But Jesus was never in a rush. Jesus always went by his time. And even with the story of Lazarus, Lazarus, basically the Bible talks about how Martha came to um, Jesus and said, my brother is sick. Could you please come to my house? If you come to my house, he would be healed. Like this is what they were actually saying. There was an expectation that if Jesus comes to my house, perhaps even touches my brother and prays for him, he would be healed. There was that expectation there. And Jesus said to uh, Martha that don't worry, this sickness will not end in death. That's what Jesus said. But the Bible talks about how Jesus did not arrive there until four days later. Imagine. (laughs) Jesus did not arrive there until four days later. And I just find that so comical because how many times in my situation where I'm like, God, you must answer me now. Come on. (laughs) Now. Amen. Come on. Answer me now. But this was someone who was sick. And Jesus did not come 
to four days later. And when Jesus actually arrived at the house, I, I think it was uh, Mary who actually came to meet him. I said, if you were here any earlier, my brother would not have died. So what is, essentially, what is she saying essentially? She's saying that my expectation was not fulfilled. I thought you would have come here earlier. I thought I would have seen my brother wake up, be healthy again, be healed. But he wasn't, but it's, it's cool. If you were here one day earlier, and Jesus does try to say that, don't worry, this will not end in death. He will rise again. And she literally says, yeah, I know on the last day, I know like, we'll, all be, we'll all rise again, blah, blah, blah. Like she actually had, she went from having an expectation to having no expectation at all. So what do you do when you're in a situation like that? The Bible um, actually talks about how um, he was Lazarus, the dead guy who was in the tomb. And Jesus called out his name um, outside the tomb and asked him to wake up. Asked him to wake up and to take off those dead clothes, to take off those grave clothes. And that's the thing about Jesus, that perhaps even though you think that he doesn't fulfill your expectation, he knows the perfect time to enter that situation and to redeem it. Amen. And another person that I would like us to look like um, to look at is the story of Job. So Job, um, quite similar to this situation, he, Job was a righteous man. He was a person who loved the Lord. It's working. Yeah. Thanks for a round of applause for Samuel. He's amazing. That's my bra. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I got distracted by Samuel. I love him though. <laughs> so Job, yeah, so Job was a righteous man. And Job, many people actually think that Job, the, the way the story ends is that Job was a person who went through hardship, who, who his family was killed, who literally had diseases on his body, who literally lost everything. And many people think that the story ends with Job not saying anything against God not sinning literally he was a person that that went through that endured so much hardship and he did not say anything bad about god and that's and that's the basic um that's the narrative that most people actually hold but the fact is that's actually not biblical true biblically true it's because they actually haven't read the end of the book if you actually go towards um even towards the middle of the book it actually shows that job was a person who actually, he was so angry at God that he started questioning God's character. He started saying, what type of God would um, inflict this on a righteous man when I didn't do anything wrong? He started questioning God's morality as well. He started doing all these things against God. And he was keep on questioning and questioning God. And this is what the Lord said to him in response. So if we turn to Job chapter 14, Verse 6. When you're there, say amen. Amen. So the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? 
Do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. So I would like us to skip to verse 15. Look at the Bethlehem moth, which I made along with you, and with the feeds, feeds of, and which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength is it that it has in its loins? What power in its muscles of its belly? Its tall sways like cedar. The sinwids, I don't know how to pronounce that word, of its thighs are close-knit. Its bones are tubes of bronze, its limbs like rods of iron. It ranks first among the works of God, yet its maker can approach it with sword. The hills bring it with their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the lotus plants it lies, hidden among the reeds in the marsh. The lotus conceal in its shadow, and po um, Popolars by the stream surround it. A raging river does not alarm it. It is secure, though the Jordan should surge against its mouth. So essentially what God is saying here, so imagine after um, Job has questioned God's character, his morality, where he basically questions um, God himself, God speaks to him like this. And what does God does? God basically paints a picture of creation. He paints a um, picture of this world and he basically explains the different elements of how this world operates. And what he's basically saying to Job is that even though perhaps you think I'm not present in this situation, you do not think the way I think. You do not reason the way I think. You are not able to understand everything, all the details, all the complexities the way I do. And he's painting a picture of the different things that God actually thinks about. And essentially what he is saying is that, Job, I know what I'm doing. I'm interested in your situation. I'm interested in your situation. I know how all of these things merge together. And even for us as believers, as Christians, God has a way of using all those things that perhaps seemed that were going against you for your glory, no, for his glory and for your good. Amen? And this is what Job responds. So verse, um, chapter 42, verse 2. He says, I know you can do all things, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So essentially, Job is repenting and said, yeah, I question you on things that I actually did not know. And I feel perhaps even for some of us in this room, perhaps we just even need to uh, repent internally and just say, God, I apologize for even questioning you about things that I actually did not know. Like I can see now how clearly you think about every single thing, including my situation. 
And I know that you are God that's interested in my situation. And I remember um, if I was to go all the way back, um, I haven't really shared this um, publicly, but I, I remember um, when I was actually in university. And I remember after, I think it was my second, second year of university, and I remember um, I actually didn't get a grade um, for that particular season, a grade that I liked, if anyone can relate. And yeah, I didn't like what, um, I didn't like this grade and I didn't like what I averaged and I was really just annoyed at God because I was like, God, I've actually um, been so faithful and I've really served you. And um, even all my friends, all my peers, literally all my course mates, everyone knows that I'm a Christian and I'm the one that's flopping. And I remember telling the Lord that, um, okay, God, um, I love you, you're my G, but Monday to Saturday is for me and my revision. Sunday, I'll give it to you, I'll, I'll worship you, but Monday to Saturday is for me. I don't, I don't want you involved anymore. And no exaggeration, what happened, um, the way I can describe it was... Um, like when I was trying to explain to my friends, this is the way I described it. I was like, imagine someone has been blowing on your face for like three years, and then all of a sudden it just stops. And that's how it felt. It just felt like um, all of a sudden I didn't have that nearness um, to God as I once felt. And it was really comical because um, when I actually um, came to the library the following day, like all my friends were like, oh my gosh, Wally, are you okay? I was like, yeah, like, what's up? They're like, you look so different. Like, are you? <laughs> I was like, are you sure? And even like my non-Christian friends, they were just like, well, there's something is off, off about you. Like, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, yeah, 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 like, I'm okay. And I remember I was speaking to one of my close friends um, and I basically told him what I, I had done. And I was like, I basically told that, I basically told God that I don't want you involved in my uh, academics anymore. Um, and my friend, um, really gracious, she was like, well, you know God loves you. You know he's interested. Um, just repent and just say, God, I'm sorry um, for saying that. And I remember going back home and I literally just repented and instantly it was like I could feel the presence um, of God all over again. And I remember... Um, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of God spoke to me and he was like, well, I am interested um, in your academics. In fact, I'm interested in every area of your life. And um, I remember as well um, a few years ago when I actually spoke about Job um, with our Leicester campus, our cousins. I remember um, speaking to them about this particular passage and it was during a situation where I could just and I just through conversation that a lot of people were just angry at God. A lot of people felt that they are in a particular situation that they weren't meant to be, or perhaps um, something happened that they really prayed to God that that w that particular thing would not happen. And you could just feel like a sense of bitterness and a sense of offense building up in the room. And I remember the Lord showing me a picture, and it was of this. He showed me a picture of. The first one was of winter, and then the second one was um, of, so in the winter, there was literally like snow everywhere, 
And then it moved across to autumn where I saw like brown and orange leaves. And then it moved to spring where I saw like um, flowers um, coming up and stuff. And then it moved to summer where I literally just saw um, kids playing in the pool. And he said to me that the thing about seasons is that seasons always come to an end. But it matters how you do your season. Will you do your season well? And the thing is, as we can see, 2019 has come to an end. And it will come to an end on Tuesday. Is that right? Did I get my dates right? God bless you. So it will come to an end on Tuesday. And my prayer is, is that I don't know where everyone else is at, but that we'll just leave 2019 with no bitterness towards ourselves, towards other people, and towards God where we literally say that, God, even though I don't understand, even though I don't understand why I went through the situation, or even though I didn't expect these things to come like this, and even though I have so many unfulfilled expectations, I'm going to trust you with my 2020. I'm not going to be a person that tries to strategize, but I'm going to be a person that waits upon you, because your word says that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Amen? So also, I would just like to throw out another challenge that I feel like there are some of us in the room who have actually received God-inspired visions um, for 2019 and for 2020 and even the rest of our lives. And we're feeling like, how come those things did not occur? And I just want to encourage you with this scripture. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says, the vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. So in a bit, we're also going to pray. And for those of you who know that God has spoken to you about a particular area, um, I'm just gonna, we're just going to pray for faith, that God will just give us his faith. Amen? And also, I just feel like that's another group of people where perhaps um, even tonight as well, where we just say, and if we're honest with ourselves, I've picked up unhealthy expectations. I've picked up expectations from my friends, from my families, from my parents, and even from media. That's not yours. And in our own way, perhaps we've even idolized, idolized those expectations. And it's even clouded the way we see God, and it's clouded our priorities. And I just want to encourage you to literally just say, God, I humble those expectations and I want to pick up yours. Amen? So let's stand up. And I just want us to close our eyes. And um, if you're in this room and you just feel like perhaps, yeah, there is a level of um, bitterness and just a level of resentment, um, perhaps towards God or talk towards yourself or other people, um, I just want you to just um, extend your hand. To just, yeah, to just raise your hand, literally as just a posture of surrender. And right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to just take away all forms of bitterness in the name of Jesus. I ask you for your mercy, your mercies who are, which are new every morning to come and touch every single person in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you break down any expectation that is not from you. 
And Father, Lord, I ask you right now to resurrect the joy, the joy right now, the joy right now. Resurrect that joy. Thank you that your word says that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. So right now, God, we ask you for your joy. Yeah, and I just feel like in a bit, um, I just saw a picture of God just erasing um, the old expectations and just giving people um, prophetic downloads of what he's calling them into. So Father Lord, thank you that you're already speaking to your children. So we're just going to give some time for that. And if the band could just join me.